Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the SQ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sales. So today is going to be devoted entirely to the NBA Finals. I have uh, been working on for a little bit, uh, kind of a new thing. I was going to do a monologue, uh, like a written piece that I was going to just read, like an audiobook almost, uh, about the state of the wide receiver position in the NFL in terms of the market and where things are heading. But I'm going to be out. Part of me, you know, I got a little lazy, probably could have done it earlier, but the way things have trended now, I feel like I want to wait a little bit because there's some rumblings that Terry McLaurin is holding out and the Colts are interested in a couple other teams. So I think it may be more relevant, honestly, if I post it at a later date, like save it for if something like that happens or when the NFL, you know, kind of kicks back up because we're in July and there's not a lot happening. So I'll either save it for like towards the end of that dead period, or if something happens, then I'll whip that out and do that then. So just got some basketball for you, which is nice because, you know, I didn't really watch a ton of basketball for a while um, because I was busy and just wasn't really as interested in it. But I kind of sat down the last couple of weeks and I've started watching more basketball as I've been home and I'm just waiting to, to go back out to Notre Dame at the end of the week. So I've watched every finals game and I feel like I can give some nice informed opinions on it. So that's what we're going to do. So I'll start out just talking about like the series in general, and then I can more specifically talk about game five. Um, it's been interesting because I definitely have, I've watched pretty much every minute of the series. And I've also, I feel like been less plugged in to like the conversation surrounding the game. Like I don't really follow as many people on social media anymore that talk about basketball. I don't talk to a ton of people that watch it anymore. So it's been nice to just be able to sit down and focus on the basketball without like any of the outlying narratives that may or may not exist, you know, like I've complained about in the past in the NBA. Um, I will say the basketball has not been particularly riveting at times. Like I feel like, you know, they've had some nice moments here or there where things have gotten close and things have gotten a little tense. And then one team just bombs a ton of threes and kind of blows it open. And I feel like the offense for both teams has been a little clunky at times, which will happen when you have these teams that are both playing really great defense, but sometimes some of the stuff, Boston, the shots they put up is just, ugh, uh, not great. And I think Draymond's antics have been well-documented throughout the series. And I can't say I've particularly enjoyed watching that either, or someone like Marcus Smart, but you know, that's, we have the cards that we were dealt and I'm trying to make the most of it. I've still, you know, ultimately I've enjoyed watching this, this series. It's been pretty back and forth and we'll talk about it more, but it's had some nice moments. So here are the general stats that I have laid out. Actually, a lot of these stats are just completely out the window because I forgot to do this before game five NBA finals, 2022 stats. I believe golden state is beating Boston by about two points per game. Yep. Here we go. So the team comparison here, we have golden state is outscoring Boston on average 105.2 to 103. Uh, Boston is out-rebounding them 43.6 to 41.2. Boston also has more assists than Golden State. They have – they're averaging more turnovers a game. They're averaging 15.6 to Golden State's 13.2. And Golden State is shooting 45, 35, 78. Those are their shooting splits. And Boston is shooting 43.7, 41, 73, which is just crazy. So I've decided the way I'm going to break it down is we'll do – Boston first, like I'll just talk about Boston in totality and then I'll talk about Golden State. So 
I'm going to start out with what was what was Boston doing well, but you know before things kind of unraveled a bit at the end there. Uh, and the biggest hallmark for them, this you know the same thing that's been working for them since what was that March? It, it's their their defense. Their their defense is so so good. I mean they they have this great switching defense and they've really done a remarkable job of shutting off a lot of the off ball movement that Golden State typically invokes. Uh, they've been sagging off Draymond and they've they've been swarming the rim, which has helped them with a lot of things in particular. Uh, a lot of the rebounding early in the series, especially, you know, they were really able to control the boards and dominate the paint and force Golden State to do things that they're not always comfortable doing, right? Like so many of the, you know, Golden State has made so much of cutting to the rim over the last couple of years, and that was effectively eliminated with Robert Williams in the game. Um, <clears throat> and that's been, that's been really, really impressive. Whenever Robert Williams has been in the game, I mean, the, these guys, they can't drive the rim at all. I mean, it, it neutered Jordan Poole for, most of the first three games, right? Because he, he had no idea what to do at all. He was essentially just hit taking step back three after step back three because he could not drive to the rim one iota. Um, and like I said, they've, they've taken a lot of advantage of Draymond's inability and unwillingness to score, and that's really helped them. Um, so, you know, whether it's Horford or uh, Robert Williams, they're not really, they don't have to be pulled out. They can just plant themselves in the paint and rebound and get all these extra possessions that they uh, would like. And they've also just, they've been shooting the hell out of the ball. I mean, they're, they went 34% from three in game five and they're still shooting 41% from three on the series. I mean, that is, that is ridiculous. Jason Tatum, I think is still at like, I think he's still over 40 in the series. I, I guess I can't really confirm that as of right. Oh, I can confirm that actually Jason Tatum. Okay, he's actually down to no. He's at forty-seven and a half percent from three on this in this series, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And frankly, it's the only reason why they're, they're really even in, in this in the first place. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got wow, and to shoot forty-one percent from three, and Jalen Brown is only shooting thirty-point-six percent from three. That is just that is really remarkable, and it's helped keep them in so many of these games. It won them game one single-handedly. Um, yeah, so that's what's been going really well for them, right? They're they're swarming defense. They've been trying to run Golden State off the three-point line and prevent them from getting comfortable as they normally do. And they've been shooting the ball really well. So what went wrong in these last two games? The, you know, it just kind of looks like the the wagon fell off, or the wheels fell off here, you know, and particularly in the fourth quarter of both of these games. And I think the big thing to look at is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have both kind of been – uh, up and down, I think would be the best word to describe them. Uh, and, you know, their, their efficiency really has not been that great outside of Tatum shooting very well from three. Uh, you've got Jason Tatum averaging 23 points a game on 20 shots, and you've got Jalen Brown at 21.4 points on 18.6 shots. And Tatum shooting 37% from the field overall, which, and that's not even taken into account. Well, it does, but like, you know, that's with him shooting 47.5% from three. So, I mean, his, his two-pointers have been abysmal, to say the least. And Jalen Brown is shooting 40% from the field. So, they really – doing anything other than shooting threes has been a big problem for Boston, um, especially at the end of these games. Uh, and I'll get into that a little bit. I mean, Al Horford is also – he's disappeared. He had, you know, a great, great game one with it was 26 points and – I don't remember how many threes it was, and he has since scored two, 11, eight, and nine points. So after having that huge, very key role to winning game one has done essentially nothing on offense besides that. Um, 
And they've really, they've just become really reliant on hitting their threes. And that's, that's kind of their entire offense. And you can see this in the, the end of games. Like they just, they get a little tight and Tatum and Brown will just kind of dribble, dribble, dribble. And then they'll either try to drive or Tatum will take some very stupid Kobe-esque like contested two. And they don't really, they never really go in. And that's kind of it. Or they'll try and swing it around and they turn the ball over. Right. I mean, and that's, that's been their biggest issue too, is Tatum and Brown have either been putting up some less than pretty shots and the whole team will just turn the ball over the whole time. Golden state has very much put pressure on them. And the big thing that I see it as is Boston needs a more traditional point guard because Marcus smart is maybe like a complimentary ball handler and like, you know, playmaker, but he shouldn't be your best guy. And Tatum has gotten very good. Uh, he's averaging seven assists a game in the series, but I would say it's more out of volume and necessity than like, he's not LeBron is what I'm trying to say, because I mean, he's averaging 3.6 turnovers with those seven assists. Um, Jalen Brown right now is averaging three, his ratio is 3.8 to three for assist to turnover. Smart's averaging three turnovers a game. Derek White's at two, Al Horford's at one and a half. I, they just, they can't stop throwing the ball away. And I, I really think they need a, a calming presence on the court who can maybe slow things down or at least get people set up in the right things and have better vision to, to create things that maybe other people can't see. So, I mean, that's what we see. I mean, go in uh, particularly the last couple minutes of the game, you know, they'll put Wiggins on Tatum, who's done, done a very good job with Jason Tatum and Draymond. They finally put on Jalen Brown and that's been very effective. And those guys are just struggling because they, Kind of, they, they don't have the ability as much to spread it out and they want to do things by themselves. Tatum in particular is really just taking some, uh, some ugly, ugly shots. And they've also, they, the last couple of games, I, I don't, I, it may be a legs thing too, I think with them, you know, they played those two straight game seven series where both were just grueling, absolutely grueling series. And I think we could just be finally starting to see that, you know, Golden State is certainly older, but they played a lot less games because they took care of business and Boston did not in the Eastern Conference. Uh, part of it is also maybe not being fair to those guys. I mean, uh, Ime Udoka, I don't think sat Tatum at all in the second half. And you're going to airball some shots, I guess, if you do that. But then I, I would argue that maybe you don't need to play him the whole third quarter in the first place, you know, because they were already doing so well. Um, another thing I've noticed that Boston has been struggling with, uh, Golden State, at least last night in particular, they really started to target Derek White on defense. And that's a little bit of a problem for them because they're already only playing seven. And if Derek White is suddenly becoming a liability on defense and he's already not really doing much on offense, you're going to be in trouble because then you have six guys that are really contributing well. And Golden State has the numbers to outmatch that. So really, I, th I think ultimately what this is coming down to is Boston's inexperience and roster construction, you know, the flaws in their roster construction is starting to show a little bit. They're just, you have guys that are not really comfortable um, carrying the load that they're being asked to. And I think Golden State is able and very willing to take advantage of a lot of the mistakes that Boston is making by also just not having a, a more natural distributor on the team. So those are the big things that I've seen with Boston. I think that's ultimately why they, they have lost game five and, and they will subsequently, I think, lose the finals. Um, 
which also, you know, some people may think I'm writing off the Celtics too quickly, but we'll, we'll get into it later. I, I think things are not looking great for them at the moment. So those are my thoughts on Boston. So now I'm just going to switch to what was Golden State doing wrong in the first couple of games of the series where things looked really bad. I, I think the glaring thing, actually, I'm going to take a sip of water first. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, Draymond was awful on offense. I mean, he's just terrible. He, he still hasn't made a three in the series. That hasn't changed the last couple of games. Um, but he wasn't driving to the rim all that often. And when he was like, or as often as he should have given the opportunities. And when he was, he was making bad decisions in terms of his passing, or he was just throwing stuff up at the rim that was never even close. And that's really bad for them because you get kind of a Ben Simmons thing where if Draymond's not taking advantage of the, the space given to him, then Boston can start sending other defenders in other directions and it clogs their whole offense up. That's not Steph because so much of that offense is based on Draymond directing traffic and being able to pass the ball where he needs to. And, and that just gets a lot harder if he doesn't at least make Boston think about how much space they're sagging off. him. So that was really bad. And it still, you know, it, it really wasn't all that good up until the last five minutes of game four, last three minutes of game four. And, and most of this game, I would say, um, and then Clay and Poole were cold. And Clay, it was interesting. Clay legitimately looked like bad. Like I thought that they were gonna have to move him, like from the team if he was gonna keep playing like this in the future. I was, I was actually very concerned with that because he looks like it just kind of looked like his legs weren't there. Like he would take a couple shots that were like old clay shots but they weren't there and then he would try to take more difficult shots where he would just like catch the ball and immediately he just release it with a guy in his face because that's just that you know that's what he's always done but it just looks like it looked for a while like he couldn't do that and you know he's driving to the rim and like we said that wasn't going very well for him it seemingly picked up but for a while it was just really bad where he was ice cold and he was trying to force himself back into a rhythm and it was really just making the offense even worse because he was taking such low quality shots trying to shoot himself back into form uh, and Jordan Poole really has not played that well this series. He had, a, you know, a good 90 seconds in, uh, what was that, game four? Or was that game three when he hit the, the that was game four, when uh, he kind of came alive there for a little bit. And then he really wasn't that good the rest of that series. And then he was good offensively uh, this past game. But he was driving to the rim a lot. Uh, in the first three games and he found out that you know Robert Williams is really really good at defending the rim and I believe he got blocked at least at least three or four times in those couple games and yeah actually how many block Robert Williams is currently averaging 2.4 blocks a game I'm surprised that's not higher I guess it's only because he's playing 25 minutes a game but um and Poole's shooting wasn't really there either because they were they were swarming him. They were they were getting in his grill and they were making it. Boston was making it very difficult for him to separate and do some of the things that you can get away with against Denver with him. And defensively, he's you know he always is a liability. He just is. So that made him it made Jordan Poole borderline unplayable for those first couple games there. Um, and ultimately, I think Golden State is just inherently outmatched in some ways against Boston because they're, they're not as long or as athletic. They're just, you know, they're a little bit slower. You've got Jordan Poole defensively is not really there. Kevon Looney's not a speed demon. You've got Draymond who's slower. Um, I, they were playing Iguodala a little bit earlier and that was tough. That was tough for them. I mean, and, and Clay took a few games to get back defensively. So it was a lot harder for Golden State to 
close out on a lot of these threes and deal with the driving kick that Boston loves to do. Um, just because they're, you know, they're, they're not the the Warriors that they once were. I mean, they're still a very good defensive team, but against a team like Boston who has great athletes like Tatum and Brown and Robert Williams and all these guys, like it's, it's just hard for them to deal with that sometimes. But they've gotten better with it. Um, it was just something they had to do, figure out first. And now that I think they've kind of figured out Boston's uh, rotations and everything, they don't have to play quite as fast. It's more just reacting and moving a little bit more appropriately. So what helped turn it around? Why, why is Golden State now in the driver's seat to win the finals? And the, the easy answer, I have it in all caps here, is Steph Curry. Uh, I, I, you know, there's not a lot to say about, I mean, there is a lot to say, but I don't have much to say about just how good he's been, right? I mean, Golden State has not been able to get anybody going up until this past game. Boston has essentially said, we're going to shut everybody else down and Steph Curry has to make a pay. And he, Steph Curry has made them play, made them pay. If you're going to do drop coverage on Steph Curry, he will eat you alive. And that's, that's what he did. Just bombing three after three, after three, he's still shooting 41.7% from three after not making a single one in the last game. I, and I think that says something. Um, out of all of the the starters that have been playing, Curry is the highest plus minus on the team. That's not really much of a surprise. Looney's 9.6, but he's only playing 20 minutes a game. You know, he's been in and out of the starting lineup. Steph Curry's been rebounding very well. He's averaging 5.8 rebounds a game, which, you know, for a guard his size, that's not insignificant. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just been really impressive because – so much of Golden State's offense had to change, and it had to be uh, Steph Curry in the pick and roll, creating things by himself. And that's not something Golden State has done all of the time the last couple of years. I mean, they they finally started to experiment a little bit with it in 2017 and 2018 with the Steph and Durant pick and roll. Because why, you know, why wouldn't you put Steph Curry and Kevin Durant in the same pick and roll if you could? But other than that, it's, it's not like it's something they enjoy doing a lot of the time. And Curry had to do it. And he did it, and he's been so, so good for this Golden State team. I, I mean, he's the reason that they're winning. It, honestly, if, if Curry wasn't playing the way he was, things this series would be going very poorly for Golden State. Um, another thing that they helped fix, or not helped fix, but they fixed, was they turned up the rebounding. Because, the like I said, uh, Golden State tried to go with one big for a while. They would do Looney, or they would just do uh, Draymond small ball. And Horford and Williams would just kill him. And Smart's done a pretty good job of it too. But the last couple of games in particular, Andrew Wiggins has really stepped up his rebound. Curry's been a good rebounder. And they've gotten themselves a lot of second chances that they otherwise would not. I believe they're, they're shooting overall much more than Boston is the last couple of games. Like they have, they have made a point to get the offensive rebounds and try and get those extra shots just because they've struggled so much with offense. And it's really helped them out, just giving them all these extra chances. Um, another thing, probably the biggest storyline, I, I guess, would be Wiggins um, and his role in the offense as the driver to the rim. Uh, you know, like I said, there's been a lot of struggles with um, guys driving to the rim at these um, Robert Williams and Horford. But Wiggins has had success driving to the rim or then like pulling back for a mid-range shot. He's done really well with that. I mean, he hasn't shot the ball very well, like as a jump shooter, but just strictly as an athlete going to the rim and getting offensive rebounds, he's he's done that. I I don't wanna like I don't wanna dump on Andrew Wiggins. Like he certainly has not been as good as I think everyone has said. Like he's 
he's averaging 18 points a game, which is great and very necessary for them, but he's it's, it's 16 and a half shots a game. Like he's getting a lot of these rebounds and he's not exactly good at like putting them back, but he's been the volume scorer that they needed. And that's, you know, I golden state fans, I'm sure are happy with that. Um, Gary Payton returning after game one, I think has also been huge. Just giving them another defender on Jalen Brown and Tatum. So it's not just Draymond and clay who, you know, was not great. Like having, Gary Payton to do that is massive and he's hit a couple of shots and he's been cutting really well. He's played very well in the offense that they've asked him to run and his defense is stellar as it has been all season. Clay and pool, like clay kind of shot himself back into shape a little bit. The last game or two pool calmed down. That was really the biggest thing that I noticed is the last game or two clay and pool have both realized that the mid range is open for them because, uh, Boston has done such a a good job of swarming the rim and trying to run guys off the three-point line. They're leaving the mid-range open. And Golden State has guys that can do that. And if they're willing to take that, then that's going to be huge. And Poole in particular finally figured that out. I think Steph's been doing it the whole series, but Poole finally figured out that he can do that. And you saw his efficiency go way up, and he wasn't as much of a black hole on offense in terms of like just taking up these bad shots. So that's something to monitor too. And the, the biggest thing has been Boston's turnovers. Right. I mean, I've, I've already talked about it. Boston is predominantly just a slash and kick like that. That is the extent of their passing. And Golden State has figured that out. And they've got a lot of veteran players who know how to get to spots. And they've been great at forcing all of these turnovers and turning them into live ball points. And that's another part of getting all these extra shots that Golden State needs. I mean, right now, you've got Steph averaging two steals a game. Wiggins averaging one steal a game. Clay averaging over one steal a game. Uh, pools at like half a steal a game. Peyton's over one steal a game. Uh, Looney's almost at one steal a game and Draymond's at one and a half and Porter's over one. Like they, everybody's getting these turnovers. They, they all are working great as a defensive unit. I think that, uh, you know, Boston has done a, a, they've put a concerted effort into abusing Steph and pool on defense. Pool has been pretty bad. Steph has had moments where, you know, Steph Curry's guarding Jason Tatum and that doesn't go well, but I feel like he's also had a lot of moments where he's held up really well for Steph Curry. Like I I think he's done a good job of either just standing there in isolation or he does a good job of hedging and getting back to his man. So he doesn't have to guard someone like that. So, I mean, it's really, it's, it's been a remarkable Boston defensive experience and golden state has also had a really good defensive experience as well. And this is where their experience really shines. And Draymond hasn't had to play, like try and go out and get shooters as much. And that's really helped him a lot too. Cause you know, he's just, he's slower than he is now. Good God. He's shooting 28% from the field. That is nuts. God, that's, that's just not good. Um, so th- those are the big things. I, I, I think the biggest, if you wanted to point to one number as to why Boston has been losing, I think it's the turnovers because golden state, you know, had a game like game five where they didn't really turn the ball over and Boston has continued to turn the ball over pretty much every game with reckless abandon. And Golden State knows how to take advantage of that. And they've still got enough guys who can score that they will score on a lot of those opportunities. So that's my outlook on the series as a whole. I'd be curious if anyone agrees, disagrees with what I've seen. Um, What is that, about 24 minutes? All right, so yeah, that's that. And then I'll take a quick break here. And then I'll talk more specifically about game five and then kind of what I see for the series going forward. Here we go. Game five. So game five was really interesting 
because it, it was so different, I feel like, from the other games in, in terms of how, how the the game itself was played, just from an X's and O's perspective, because so much of Boston's defensive game plan, the first four games, was we are going to guard everybody else really hard, and we're going to try and cut off a lot of the, the cuts and the, the off-ball action, just all the movement that Golden State loves to do. And we are going to make Steph Curry have to beat us single-handedly. And, you know, he did. Uh, he was, God, he just killed them. And then game four obviously was, you know, the, uh, it was like he dropped a nuclear warhead on them. So Boston came into game five and decided, all right, we're going to change things up a little bit. We are going to just aggressively uh, hound Curry at the three point line. And we're going to hedge all of his pick and rolls. And we're, we're going to try and make him uncomfortable and make him pass the ball out of a trap. And we're going to make the rest of the offense beat us because, you know, Draymond has certainly not looked as, as he has been on offense. And we think we can take advantage of that. So Golden State returned to a more traditional form of their offense. There still wasn't a ton of, obviously Curry wasn't making any threes. So you didn't see as much Curry, you know, whirling around and taking a bunch of crazy shots um, that like had any impact. But it required everyone else to step up to the plate. And, you know, they largely did that. Draymond played a much better game. He was more decisive with the ball. He was running to the rim a little bit. I love the, uh, <clears throat> I love those like play action passes. What I call him, he does like when he fakes a screen and someone bites on it, and then he just drives to the rim and gets an easy dunk because no one followed him because no one thinks that Draymond Green's going to score. I always really like those. Probably something I would need to score and pick up nowadays. I, I don't really have the ability to separate on uh, any defender with a ball in my hands, but, <laughs> um, so that was really big and. You know, Jordan Poole, like I said earlier, he found the mid-range in this game. He he was taking smarter shots. He wasn't uh, just dribbling around, dribbling around, step back three, step back three. Uh, and he had, you know, he had that great bank in buzzer beater, kind of reminiscent to Curry had in the, was that game one of 2018? Yeah, I think that was game one, like right at the end of halftime. It was from kind of this, this similar spot, I think. And that was really important for them, uh, you know, because we've been saying this whole time, like when Curry is not on the, on the floor, they need pool to score because otherwise, you know, he and clay as a backcourt on defenses, but not been very good. And if he's not going to score, then what value is he really bringing to the team? But he, you know, he finally figured that out and clay to his credit, you know, like I said, I've been kind of critical of clay this whole series. He woke up and he started making a lot of his shots. Like he did a lot of his in rhythm stuff and he, he looked like old clay. And that was really nice to see. Um, come on, Looney did an admirable job. I, you know, some of the fouls, I, eh, maybe a little questionable, but he did a good job switching on the Tatum. Um, clay, I thought did much better, uh, on defense, whether it was just closing out or doing individual defense on some of these perimeter guys. And, you know, it was just really what they needed because Curry, obviously he didn't have it, whether he was tired or whether he was hurt or whether he just, he didn't have it. You know, he just, he wasn't making shots at the end of the day. And for everyone else to step up, you know, you have Gary Payton making, what did he have? 15 points, 13 or 15 points in game five. Having someone like that step up is huge because they weren't getting stuff like that out of anybody really up until this game. And this is still with Golden State shooting 29% from three as a team. I mean, for them to score, was it like 104 while they were shooting that badly and Steph wasn't doing anything for a while? That I mean, that's that's bad for Boston. Um, 
that and i believe steph had eight assists too so like i said it was more of a like they they wanted everyone else to beat them and steph helped them out a little bit with everyone else beating them uh on the boston's end I, oh, yeah, I should mention Wiggins. When Wiggins, you know, had a great game driving to the rim. I, I still don't think offensively he's doing much of value when he's not driving. But he did a great job driving to the rim last night, which has been, you know, people have been very scared by the end of the series going at Robert Williams. But Wiggins really hasn't been this whole time. And it worked out really well. You know, he was driving to the rim or he kind of pulled people in and then went back out for uh, like an elbow shot. And that was exactly what Golden State needed on a night when Steph didn't have it and Clay and Poole still really can't drive it all to the rim with much success. So that was critical. That was critical. And he played great defense too on Tatum. He got in Tatum's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he just, he got in Tatum's face for most of the game. And I think by the end of the game, Tatum looked a little rattled. You know, what did he have? Four air balls. And he was just taking a bunch of ridiculously tough shots that, made it seem like he was just trying to do his best Kobe impersonation. And it, it it's a tough look for the Celtics um, because, you know, they finally, they did so well in that third quarter. And that's the first time all series that they played well in that third quarter. They were decisive. They hit a bunch of threes. They were playing good defense. Um, and then everything just kind of came apart. I, you know, mentally they, they showed they're a bit of a young team. They were <laughs> getting upset with the refs. Grant Williams at one point was complaining so much. Ime told him he was going to take him out if he didn't shut up. And smart flopped on the the clay shot that I thought was pretty egregious. Um, you know, there was just a lot of things. They were they were they were getting a little nervous, a little broken down, and Golden State's been there before. You know, they're not gonna beside you know, not to absolve Draymond of any of his crimes to the refs, but you know, the rest of that team, they're they're gonna keep their composure at the end of these games. They're good. Like Boston, I think that's still something they need to figure out. The moment may have been a little too big for them. Um so I, I, I honestly, I talked too much about game five, like throughout the rest of the podcast. Cause I kind of gave, gave all my thoughts already, you know, like golden state changed up their offense cause they had to, and it worked. Um, the problem with, I will, I'll end with this. Like maybe it is too early to write off Boston. It, it, there are two games left in theory if Boston wins on uh, Thursday, but Boston lost by double digits to oh yeah and they missed a bunch of free throws too i should have mentioned that was another sign of like things just really they were they were shrinking from the moment a little bit um what was i going to say (laughs) uh boston lost this game by double digits where golden state shot 29 percent from three as a team they only had three guys make a three they had clay pool and it was an auto and gary payton those are the only three guys on team on the team that made a three-pointer and Steph made zero threes and had 16 points on 22 shots. I would think that either of those two things happening again, nevertheless, at the same time is unlikely. And, you know, we can also make jokes about game six clay. Uh, there's a lot of things going golden State's way. Or there were, there were a lot of things that didn't go golden State's way that one might expect them to improve in game six and Boston still lost handily. And I would be a little concerned. And we're also, we're getting to the point where in a longer series, I think Boston's legs are going to falter a little bit just because, like I said, they played a bunch of games. Robert Williams in particular looked a little shaky towards the end there because he's, you know, he's already hurt playing on this knee injury, you know, which has been very admirable of him this whole time. But I think that's going to show a little bit more. And 
as I've already said, you're a young team, right? Like you have a lot of these guys that have not been in this moment before. Even the old guys like Al Horford has not been in the finals before. I just think it may be a little easy or easier at least for a team like this who has not been in this situation and is perhaps panicking a little bit for a game like that where they finally break that third quarter curse and then they're in the they're in the game in the fourth for them to blow it now twice in a row. It, it may be easier for them to just kind of give it in, give in a little bit. Like it's easier to just be, I don't want to, I don't think broken's not the right word, but like to feel beaten. I think it's just more likely than for a team like golden state, who, like we've said, has been in this, this moment before they've had to come back. They know what it takes. It's just hard. If you've never done it before to face that, especially when you're so young, I just think there's a, an emotional component that, has to factor in as much as I don't like to do some of that stuff. Sometimes I think the, the wide experience range in these two teams is important. So they're going into Boston on Thursday. I would expect golden state to come out with the win and finish this series and golden state would win the finals. That's, that's where I'm at at this point. I think Boston is a very good team. I just think that Golden State can play a lot better than they did. Obviously, Boston can play a lot better, but Golden State can play a lot better than they did. And the last two games that Boston has lost have been pretty tough. Like they, they've been very tough ways to lose. And it's it's hard to come back from that kind of performance, I think. That's my thought, at least. So you heard it here first. Golden State in six, 2022 NBA champions. I would like to say, by the way, I never did my finals preview because I'm the worst. But before this podcast, I proposed Golden State winning in six games. So I just want that out there. Let's get a little credibility going, yeah? So fingers crossed. Um, all right, so that is that. I will do – I will definitely do a pod on game six. I, obviously, whether the series is over or not, I will be doing one. Uh, I would be doing that on Friday because I'm not going to be – because the, game, yeah, the, the games are just – God, they're way too late. I'm not going to do a podcast at like – 1130 at night and then release it. So I will do a podcast Friday morning, which will be, I think the last day that I'm here and I will release that to the public. And then if the series needs another one, we'll need another one. But other than that, we'll see. So thank you guys for listening. As always, please uh, like on social media, subscribe to my feed, whether it's on Anchor, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast and just share it with other people. You know, I'd like to be nice just to spread the word. So thank you guys. Good night. And I'll see you on Friday.